Hey everybody, this is your host Javier and Daniel and you're listening to the Brown Sound Podcast. We're just two brown best amigos talking about everything and anything through a Latino and indigenous perspective. In this podcast, expect some tears, joy, and definitely laughter. Imagine you sitting around a table with your best friends but sober. Or you can have a drink too because we don't judge. Well... What is up, Cheekex? Brown Sound, Season 3, Episode 6. How's it going? Hey, hey, what's going on? I'm, you know, barely surviving. It's snowing <laughs> up here in northern Idaho. It's not my favorite, but it is what it is. You know, I'm just trying to take it day by day. <laughs> so, no, same. Uh, this morning, I almost slipped uh, walking out of the driveway. <laughs> I was like, dang, what a way to start. Almost winter. Uh, yeah. Just like broken arm or something. Definitely not the way I, I want to. I always think of the time when we were in Moscow and you slipped in front of the coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> when we were walking in the snow. It was all slushy. Yeah. yeah. You tend well, to I slip hit- a lot. You, <laughs> you well, even yeah. remember at the cactus, the lime wedge? Oh, yeah. Okay. But I mean, that was for another reason. There was yeah. a random lime wedge on the floor. I mean, you know. <laughs> it was like Mario Kart throwing out banana peels. <laughs> oh, like, put that banana there. No, uh, I I'm, I'm a, I do like the winter. So I got to say that. I like the fall. I like the winter. But um, I, the, I guess my least favorite part would be now that I'm like, you know, when you wake up for work, you turn on your car and you just can head out. Usually in the summer, you don't have to wait. But no, everything's frozen. So you have to wait for your car to <laughs> defrost and yeah um, i i do not like it i also don't trust leaving i don't know why but i've never liked the idea of just leaving my car on while i'm getting ready so i'm not one of those people <laughs> that'll get up early go turn on the car let it like you know get oh, warm and then i'll come back. I, I don't trust anybody <laughs> and i've never had my car stolen or anything but like i just i'm not about that i don't yeah you, know. you I, everyone on the res warms their car up way before they even hop in it so that's like a normal thing here people will leave their car running even when they run into the store real quick like yeah Oh, running but. but i remember you had a crazy neighbor so i wouldn't leave my car running next I, to him either <laughs> there was actually one time where this older lady was and this is when i had gloria my you know what do we call oh, her yeah. my my yeah, uh, beater right. with a heater <laughs> yeah, yeah. <what> <laughs> <laughs> um no when we when i had i had that car i i walked out of my house and this lady was sitting in my car and i was like uh excuse me uh what are you doing and she was like well she's like i'm trying to leave and i'm like with my car and I mean, I wasn't going to fight her for Gloria because she was. <laughs> no, you can God, just have her. Like, you can just, you just I'm like, you, get her off my hands. Me. It's fine. No. <laughs> but no, she, uh, this particular person had gotten lost. I think she uh, suffered from some kind of like memory like issue. And so oh. she was confused and disoriented. Oh, yeah. And um, luckily her husband happened to walk by and was like, I'm so sorry. Uh, you know, I, I I turned around and she was gone. And so he, we were lucky to find her. But it was one of those situations where it's a little bit mm. scary i she was very set though and she was very like this is my car and i was like i'm I, this it's insane to me that we're fighting over gloria but she's actually my car <laughs> she's not, she's not so I'm like um, have you seen this car <laughs> Uh, anyways, anyways, two kicks. I uh, anyways, not to digress. Yeah, yeah today, today I'm actually really excited uh, because we are collaborating with two friends of ours um, that work with a really good um, organization coalition here in Idaho. And so, um, you know, let's mm-hmm. let's not wait forever. How about we introduce them and uh, we get jumping on our topic today? How do you feel about that? Yeah, that sounds good. Who who wants to go first? Who should we introduce? Normally, you know, elders go 
first, so I, Javi, you can go. First <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's that's totally fine. Uh, in Latino culture, we you know very respectful of our elders too. Um, the person I'm about to introduce, I I don't know if she's older than any of us. <laughs> I think she's like maybe the youngest, but um, I would like to introduce uh, my good friend Cristina Vasquez. And so uh, a little bit on Cristina. Cristina is on the path of relearning and growth. Her healing is rooted in her Mexican roots, culture, and ancestral wisdom. She commits to listening and uplifting the voices uh, to historically marginalized communities to build a future without violence. She tr- she thrives working with farmworking communities and with first-generation professionals like herself. So without further ado, help me give a good brown sound welcome to my friend, Christina Vasquez. Hello. <laughs> What's up? Uh, are you there? Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to speak up. All right. Yeah. No, we're we're uh, so stoked to have you. And I know we're going to get to learn a little bit about you here in a second. Um, but Daniel, why don't we uh, introduce our other guest? All right. And for our next guest, we have the storyteller is Ty Simpson's name in the indigenous language of the Nez Perce tribe. Atitwatit. I had to flex real quick, you know, we're both, we're, we're both Nespers, so I had to like throw that in there. Um, in the community, she serves as an organizer for the Indigenous Sovereignty and Black Liberation as an anti-racism activist and community organizer. She uses contemporary and traditional Indigenous storytelling to champion radical inclusion, equity, and liberation. So it is an honor to introduce my fellow Nimipu, Tai. Welcome to Brownstown. it's always so weird like listening to people read my bio i'm like i'm a dweeb such a dweeb (laughs) i'm all damn what else you do uh Gracias, y'all. Gracias. It's good to be here. Yeah, we're, we're excited, excited to have, so excited to have both of you here. And uh, one of the things I wanted to touch on before we jump into y'all, you know, sharing a little bit on yourselves is both of you work for the Idaho Coalition Against Sexual and Domestic Violence. And that is that is amazing. There's a lot of awesome work that is coming out uh, through your hard work. And so we wanted to know, can you share a little bit on that? What is what is the Idaho Coalition Against Sexual and Domestic Violence and what kind of work are y'all doing in supporting our communities? Yo, um, well, Christina's the boss, just so we're clear. <laughs> we all take direction from Christina. Uh, let's see. Well, I've been there the longest, so I'll just drop a little bit of knowledge. Uh, I'm going on four years in May. Uh, so the Idaho Coalition where, um, you know, Grandpa Joe Biden gives us money dual coalition to address <laughs> domestic violence and sexual assault across the state. But we support direct service providers, like those who have shelters, crisis services, um, you know, folks who are fleeing and need somebody local to help out with transitional housing. Um, 
we we focus on prevention. We focus on, you know, why why domestic violence and sexual assault is taking place in the first place. You know, why is this yeah. even an issue? Trying to work ourselves out of a job a little, you know. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, we have, um, I mean, a handful of programs across the state. The tribal programs, their domestic violence programs are part of uh, our coalition. And then some community organizations that just love what we do and support us by being member orgs. Uh, we host nice. training. Yeah. So there's mm. a handful of things that we do. Christina is, is the newest to us, but um, what do we what do we do here, Christina? <laughs> <laughs> we are here to listen and to learn and to work with community and to to just be a resource. It's just what I love about working at the coalition. Um, as Ty mentioned, I've only been here a few months since July, and it's just been a whirlwind of, of learning and unlearning a lot of um, a lot of different pieces, and just like growing within um, who who I am, and then like the strength that the community, my Latinx community, gives me. And so, um, yeah, but that's a little bit adding to that. Oh um, well, that's only it. <laughs> that's oh, a lot. You're doing you're, a lot of things. Oh my way. god. Just y'all. I know. <laughs> you, y'all want to hear about some of the work that she's been doing like for because i remember interviewing her um in the summertime and i was like christina can you build airplanes while you fly it because that's what we do here and here she is here she is building the airplane several airplanes yeah no that's amazing um i i wanted to chat a little bit before we because we today's topic was really around that the work that y'all do because we wanted to highlight especially around our communities some of the difficulties and challenges Challenges and you know y'all support the communities more in that Daniel and I have limited knowledge but what we wanted to do today and with our listeners uh, who are listening from their cars or their had phones or their <laughs> where do people listen yeah. to podcasts? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. from the community yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on the highway <laughs> the freeway. <laughs> like, okay. Um, and so <laughs> what we wanted to do today is um, share a little bit on our on our backgrounds. Um, if you don't mind, we storytelling is a big component. And I was like, oh, Ty, you're a storyteller. You'll know about this. Uh, but, <laughs> but that's a big component of our podcast because Daniel and I are committed to learning, right, and growing and also uplifting our communities in, in any way that we can. And uh, we recognize there's a lot of challenges that we have um, as people of color. And at the same time, though, um, there's a lot of opportunity for growth. And so we're very intentional about bringing folks on the podcast that are of the same uh, mindset of what can we do to help our communities thrive? And in what way can we help remove barriers um, and also uh, destigmatize, um, you know, like toxic thoughts or behaviors? And what can we do to provide that resource or information to help everybody grow? So in doing that, though, we found that it is instrumental for people to know about us, right? To see that we're similar in many ways, even if it's not in the same way. Uh, but maybe someone won't resonate to our whole story, but little parts of it will. And that will make the difference in helping educate and moving our communities forward. And so I wanted to ask, would you mind sharing a little bit about like yourselves, your background, what inspires you to do what you do? Um, did you go to the University of Idaho? Are you a proud Vandal, I know I am. Would you would you all mind uh sharing a little bit on yourselves? That'd be amazing. 
Uh, Christina, do you want to go first or should I jump in there? Go for it, Ty. Go for it. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> I, uh, in West Nimipu, I am a Nimipu woman, a Nez Perce woman. Uh, baby D and I are in community together, <laughs> so I was actually really hyped to be able to join y'all. I also identify as Black. Um, I was raised in Boise, Chicago, Singapore, so I spent a good chunk of my life overseas. Um, I went to Boise State University. <laughs> oh, that's, that's uh, a thing. Yeah. <laughs> people go yeah no i didn't i didn't love it i didn't love it if i if i could do it over again i might be a vandal <laughs> uh, yeah truth be told university of idaho is on the uh, law school list so at least there's that right there's an opportunity yeah, to yeah. Myself. uh no so um man how did i get into this work so at boise state i radicalized a little bit as a student activist and then mm-hmm. um you know just issues that impact black folks indigenous folks built co- uh camaraderie and solidarity with my um, Latina relatives like it just um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to like be a minority of a minority of a minority at a school like Boise State and Mm -hmm. then really start to see that um, the world is a messed up place and somebody's got to fight in my family I come from a family of women that are terrifying like in on my res everybody like all of my aunties are scary and my mom is scary so like I don't think that as much inspiration as it is like an obligation to do this work like we all got to be scary so <laughs> no um i've watched all the women in in indian country are just powerful givers mm-hmm. and servants and just uh, i mean all of our like Dan- daniel's mom shows up that way my mama shows up that way and so all i've ever known is to just show up and do the best that i can for the community with what gifts that i have um i'm a mm-hmm. big nerd i'm a big big nerd so how can i use like the knowledge that's trapped in my brain to serve my people and i really am like i got a warrior heart like i'll I'll say the thing to people without being afraid to say the thing. Like, this is messed up. We have to do better. We got to fix this. And it and it makes me well-suited, I should say, for work like this because it requires saying really, really hard things and really, really painful mm-hmm. things. So that's why I show up every day. Um, I also am a survivor of a domestic violence relationship. I am a survivor of sexual assault. Um, and so carrying that trauma, doing this work and serving others and helping them through similar trauma is part of my healing journey right in Indian country we we have survived horrific history together but we also heal together and I believe yeah. that so I try to bring that to the work for sure so that's that's a little bit about me I was wow, gonna say for sharing. I was yeah. gonna say I was gonna say you definitely do say what everyone's thinking we saw your general counsel <laughs> in the spring I was like uh, uh. <laughs> yep, yep. I'm also not afraid for the tribe to fire me so there's also that like I don't work for the tribe <laughs> yeah <laughs> I yeah, pretty <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyone that was at Spring General Council knows she definitely came in and uh, holding people flip accountable. The table over, flipping tables. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I love a good table flip, though. It's, I'm here for it. <laughs> you can't take me nowhere. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so I'm Christina. I um, born and raised here in Idaho, small, small town. Um, Where in Idaho, Christina? I'm curious. Do I want to say it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Um, oh. (laughs) Well, so I grew up on the farms of Idaho. My parents always did um, farm work. Um, And so we grew up on the, like the farm owner's houses. So I grew up around fields not people um wow. of like the area of like hammock and fairy bruno mount home area and so that's a big piece of who i am um yep. 
working on the farms, growing up in the farms. And I love to clarify, I grew up as a farm worker. My family grew up as farm workers, not as farm owners. There is a big difference. And so that's led me to really become who I am now. Um, mm -hmm. I am a proud vandal. And I was a colleague there when he was working there also. Um, mm -hmm. And so just as Ty mentioned, U of I kind of like blew my mind. And I realized so many, so many pieces of what I had lived. And I think I was able to like put words together and like theories together. And now as I keep learning, I'm like, I knew all along. I just didn't have like the words about it. Um, yeah. Yeah. We talk about it like in community. We talk about it in, you know, in the kitchen table or when we would go to Mexico. My family is from San Luis Potosí um, and we would go visit and we would talk about all these things. I just didn't know about it or I didn't know how to express it yet. Um, yeah. And while at U of I, my, my advocate, like advocating for farm workers really came to be a big piece of who I was. Um, I was part of the camp program and then I ended up working at the camp program. And so it was a lot of, you know, like bringing that, all the resilience that we have and all like the, mm -hmm. the power that we have in our voices and being proud. And it's so important to, to like learn from the land. Um, but they try to take yes. that away from you as well as you're, you know, barely surviving by working in the land also. So there's like two pieces, there's like two different pieces there like there is I think for everything um yep. and so so I so now I really love to be um and talk to like first generation students specifically like Latinx students who I got a lot of opportunity to work with and I think now I've kind of transitioned to like first generation professionals because a lot of us like we came out of the university and then we were like now what or like sometimes like working on zoom and your family walks by and they're like what are you doing how was that even a hard day and I'm like it was it was so hard but since I didn't physically I guess do anything they don't really mm -hmm. understand and so it's like connecting with a lot of um, people who were my students and then are now my colleagues my um, like friends and so now they're like how did you navigate this so so some of that is is what I love and and a, a big piece of me too which I hadn't mentioned is um, I'm a mom and that I'm an adoptive mom also and the, so that makes me um, that perspective um, is really important to me and so I love to like bring that up um, as well. Yeah. Christina, if I may, I wanted to point out a couple things as well. Uh, one is um, that I could definitely relate to the uh, the comment from my family because now, you know, we've we've gotten to take in a path uh, that our family members, like my parents, for example, maybe yours didn't have. So we got to go to school and we got to get degrees and now we get to have these jobs where we're working indoors, um, the benefits of having AC um, and our work can be very mentally draining but sometimes it's hard to convey that. So I, I have have I have talked to my dad who's been in landscaping for 25 years plus years. Um, he finally started his own business a couple years ago, but he's like, one day I was talking to him and I was like, dad, I'm so tired and exhausted. And he's like, he said, Javi, what are you exhausted of? You sit in a room with AC all day staring at a computer. <laughs> <laughs> and perspective, everything though. Perspective, everything. Everything. Oh, everything. And... <laughs> That's and I laugh because 
my dad's out in the summer like sweating right the whole day doing hard manual and he's right he's right um my my exhaustedness my tired is is nowhere near the level that he experiences uh but at the same time yeah i need to be mindful about like my privilege and and also his viewpoint right because it's very valid uh mm-hmm. but also my point is also valid and so I've, I've had those conversations with 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 my dad and he gets it and i get it and the other thing too <laughs> though is i'm building my community in college and christine i'm gonna i'm gonna um to your horn there too for that because i i joined a fraternity when i was in college a latino fraternity and i know that you also joined a latina sorority um and that helped me that helped me a lot in in you know coming to uh have more confidence in my identity to going into to a leadership position, to developing leadership skills, to being able to do public speaking, to helping develop the incoming members, to jumping into roles that I have now, because the, there's always that doubt. Daniel and I had an episode on imposter syndrome where we're like, man, are we good enough? Are we not? Are we, did we trick people? Uh, you know, am, am I going to fail? Maybe, and maybe yes, uh, but we belong there just like anybody else. And so that, I, I navigate those those concerned sometimes about like my place and and in my fam and in relation to my family and sometimes I feel guilt um and sometimes I I just remember that everything I have is because of my family and I never forget that so um I'm, I I relate to, to everything you're saying I'm I'm definitely not a mom though so I can't relate to that <laughs> <laughs> you know, our families do this weird thing too right so check this out our families do this thing where they're like oh my you can't possibly be exhausted right but also yeah. um they are really proud of you but sometimes they just like make fun of you without actually telling you, <laughs> yeah, <they're proud> yeah. <laughs> of you. <laughs> and especially on the red like i go home all the time and they're like ty you're useless and i'm like i know <laughs> but like my mom is actually really proud. like <laughs> and then on the red too and, and uh daniel might be able to relate to this like when we leave or we get an education or something it becomes like oh now you're too good you think you're too good yeah. <laughs> oh no, i know you told me to come out here what the heck you know like so they support you to do the different thing and then you do the different thing and then they don't mm-hmm. understand it now uh, but you're yeah. right it's a recognition yeah. of privilege <laughs> we are the sum total of our communities for sure but man they really make yes. it hard some days like, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's true they sure do <laughs> and so the first question would be what's one thing that you think people really misunderstand about domestic violence like what's something about domestic violence that only some of our people understand and i'm gonna jump right into this first question because i think it's important like i'm just taking over your podcast yeah so like one thing that look christina and i now work in anti-violence domestic violence sexual assault um gender-based mm-hmm. violence including uh stalking bullying cyberbullying, human trafficking all of those things um but you both said something that was really interesting about like misunderstanding our parents don't understand or the generation who made us doesn't necessarily understand. And it's about like what we've normalized in, in y'all's family's minds, work is physical depletion and exhaustion. That is what's normalized as work and their understanding mm-hmm. of it is only the grind. Right. Um, yeah. And I think that's important about just understanding the work that we do in anti-violence too. Like, do we have the language to 
to name it. And I think that like in my mom's generation and her generation before that, it was always a secret. We never talked about the violent things that were happening. We never wanted to shame people. We never wanted to like single people out as somebody who was a perpetrator of violence. And so we normalized it because we weren't talking about it. Domestic violence exists as normal. So here's um, here's what I think I would share in response to that question. People endure a great deal of domestic violence without realizing that they are experiencing violence, um, whether it's um, financial isolation, um, financial abuse, um, abusing pets, coercing children, um, having passwords, looking through phones. I mean, that's actually normalized now. Like, I don't know why the younger generation does that. It goes to everybody's go- <laughs> peep in everybody's phone um but those things are uh indicators and red flags of abuse so while what we see on tv and in hollywood is like black eyes and scratches and cuts and just you know the most like the worst thing that we can think of physically enduring on a body it's a lot of little things it's a lot of tiny cuts i stayed in my abusive relationship for 10 years and then the question becomes well why didn't you leave i didn't know i was being abused that's also half of it right so having an honest conversation about what is a healthy relationship, what is consent, like those are the things that really come up for me. Um, and in Indian country, the domestic violence is is new. Like it was never a practice that would like, this is actually a symptom of settler colonization, the way domestic violence exists now in our communities. I think back to a chapter um, in Sarah Deer's book, The Beginning and End of Rape. The second chapter is um, about women in the Muscogee Nation choosing her own justice, whether it were banishment, alienating somebody from the tribe, or even killing a man for violating her because the women were held in such reverence. So this violence Mm -hmm. isn't traditional to us. This is a new thing now. Now that we have to navigate as a symptom of settler colonization because it's new we don't have the language and we don't necessarily know how to talk through it collectively as an indigenous as an indian community and i would i would venture to say for all of our communities right so that's my that's my two minutes <laughs> <laughs> so i feel like similarly to tie, um, there's a lot of pieces that as a community, and I can only speak as in like my perspective um, and like the people that I relate to. So I feel like a lot of times, like in our Mexican culture, a lot of the traits of like domestic violence have been, I guess are now seen as part of the culture, as part of like tradition, but that's not what it needs. Like that's not what it is. Like we, we can like step away from that. That is not who we are like as a, a family. And like we don't need to like normalize that. But a lot of times there's just so many pieces that play into it. So similarly like I think and what I'm gonna speak of is I guess like when a lot of people have like migrated or immigrated to to live in the US, a big piece is like a financial is like there is a pool or like a necessity to live with an abuser because like there's nowhere else to live. Um the like yeah. undocumented communities, mm-hmm. like that's a big like threat that people have to live through. Like if you leave me, I could rip like I'm gonna call ICE. Um yeah. and so those are real threats that people have to live through. So it's not as easy as like, we'll just leave. Yeah. Just yeah. leave where? Especially like for example, in my family, like only there's I my parents and my two siblings, so there was only five of us. We had no family here in Idaho. No one else. Yeah. And so like it wouldn't be as easy, like just leave. Leave where? Like leave we where? there's no one else that we know 
in this in this state or even in in this country really right mm-hmm. so you can't just leave back to to mexico after so many sacrifices have been made as well yeah and so, um and another piece of it i think is is religion um there's certain mm-hmm. religions that have you know so like you can't step away from this marriage um or like essentially somebody has like the right to do this to you and i guess like you just can't leave and so all these different pieces are playing into what domestic violence is um and how much like people tolerate it or even us as a community like when we don't speak about it when we don't normalize it when we don't yeah when we just like when we don't say anything about it it's difficult to then be the person that steps out of an abusive relationship um because like you know like what are people gonna say like you don't want to be that person that like somebody's like chatting about but at the same time what other resources is there for you but also i think we also as a community are there to help one another so like in many instances like you know like if, if somebody leaves an abusive relationship like you go live with family if you have family in town or like um like no vas a dejar a alguien sin sin casa y sin comer right you like you're not gonna right. leave someone without like food or um like shelter like even if it's for a few days or like the same like donde come uno comen dos like right like yeah. there's gonna be enough to like feed one another or like to be there for one another and i think that's important too to name mm-hmm. absolutely um christina while you were talking i was just even thinking about growing up and there's this component especially for latino culture and if you you know, you're from Mexico where uh, machismo is very uh, prevalent and maybe a big cause for why there's violence in the home, right? A man proving that he's the man. And again, these are very dangerous and antiquated thoughts that are still kind of prevalent in our communities. But the other piece um, is is we need to normalize the conversations around domestic violence and abuse and, and to be able to openly talk about this is what's happening and I need help. And, and we don't do that in our communities. We put it, we hide it under the rug. We, we shy away from speaking just because of that shame piece. But um, it, it's, it's very difficult to, to definitely engage in those conversations. Uh, so I, I've had family members or friends, I remember growing up where we would hear about stuff, but you know, everybody said, shh, don't say anything. Like, mm-hmm. you know, don't mm-hmm. don't talk about it. Um, keep it under the rug. And that's dangerous because we're not getting that person the, su- the support and the help that they need. And and I and the other piece too is um the question um the question is what don't what don't we think or what do we think people misunderstand? Uh I I growing up, me personally, this was a, a thought that I had. Um abuse only came from being physically hurt. And we don't consider mm-hmm. that it's also emotional, that it's mental that there's this like manipulation piece that somebody could have over somebody and and how that also is very damaging um but in my head right as a little kid i remember thinking well she didn't get hit so that's not a beauty you know or like you can't see the mark or you can't that and that's that might be what some people think too um because they don't know any better and so um, I wanted to ask the second question. Uh, what's one thing that our people know well about domestic violence um, awareness? What's something that our people really do well when it comes to advocating for survivors? Um, we're still learning. I, um, I'll i say this honestly, because I say this in a lot of like education spaces. None of us should get good at this. 
right? Nothing, mm-hmm. none of us should get good at anti-violence work because violence is the problem. And we, that's, you know, I, I don't want us to get good at responding to it. I want us to get good at interrupting and preventing it, period, right? Yeah. Um, so what I do love, um, and I think that this is one of the parallels between our communities as Black folks, Latinx folks, and Indigenous folks. Well, Indigenous folks are Latinx folks. <laughs> that's a different TED Talk for a different day. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, we we take care of each other, right? Like what you just said, like I've never seen my mom cook for just herself. She lived by oh. herself and still didn't cook for just herself. Um, mm-hmm. I used to remember as a little kid, um, my auntie like just always magically having enough gifts for people that people who came to Christmas and they weren't expected, but there were still gifts for them. I'm like, how did that happen? Like, because we're yeah. always thinking about who else needs, who else wants. Like my mom has adopted so many of my like holiday orphan friends over the last several decades of my life um we are capable of generosity and love that is unmatched unmatched and i think that that's such a beautiful a beautiful thing love generates like and fuels all of this work right big love for our communities and our people and our ancestors so i'll say that we do we do well with love uh and advocating comes from a place of love how that looks sometimes is problematic how it comes out is sometimes problematic sometimes harmful um but the awareness piece we're getting good at we're getting good at events like supporting each other in public um (laughs) i always like kind of poke fun at our elders from time to time when they all get past the mic and try to out chief each other like whose prayers are more sacred (laughs) like we're getting good at that because when they can like photo op and wear their beadwork and their like ribbon vests and like (laughs) (laughs) i think and, and i think in recent years seeing more men talk about it is is a good thing um i will say flip side of that same coin some of those men have some like accountability conversations that need to be have about their mm. behavior in the past mm. but at least they're Ooh. trying to talk about it and turn into it now there's i give people a lot of grace and i give people a lot of like compassion because we journey how we journey pain and trauma and violence are all like one deeply interconnected thing in our communities so like th- these men who are now starting to stand up and speak on it are also the same men that owe some people some apologies right so I'll say that I do do appreciate that they are talking about it because then now we can say like hey uncle thank you for being here and can we talk about you know X, Y I'm like "Mm -hmm." yeah both of those multiple truths y'all multiple truths Um, so we're doing well we're doing well there and I think that especially the the young generation um, of of being open to having these conversations and calling each other I'm not a fan of cancel culture but I am a fan of calling up culture like call each other in call each other up that's how we become a better community young people Ooh. do that and model that so so very well Love that. like that yeah i really do that that was a mic drop right there <laughs> storyteller well, Christ- y'all yeah. well, Christina beat that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i'm just kidding so i i mean i feel like all i can say is i just want to echo what ty said I think too, like, I mean, it's so one that we're so 
connected in so many pieces. And then also like, we really aren't very good at this yet. Um, Like really, even just, you know, sometimes just saying like the word like machista or like, if, like, like macho, that scares people off like right away. So mm-hmm. um, just bringing up some of the concepts are, are difficult. And, but with that said, like, there's just so much that, that there is hope for. And I think my hope is, is in how we're educating our children and like seeing like the difference with them and being there for one another and and just like having that that potential be there I think is yeah is, you know like what what gives me hope uh, <laughs> but I think you know we just we take care of one another as much as we can but I I mean I think just like on a topic like this there's just so much more work that we can do and yeah. um that we have failed at that we fail on in many ways as well yeah yeah I was gonna say too so like for our next question I know you kind of already touched on it a little bit but you know there's a lot of stigma about talking publicly and directly about domestic abuse um so what's one stigma you notice or you try to break through that you think that like um i don't know you know like i don't mean to start chuckling i'm like i'm like i don't know it's like i know you kind of touched on it but i'm like no no you know what i was just thinking this is what i was thinking in that same that same vein the stigma i would love to break through or like kind of the obstacle is um Actually, there's two things. Number one, there's something about native moms and their firstborn sons that, like, <laughs> like I'm the only son, so yo, I know what you're talking about. So you know what I'm talking about, yeah. right? Like my mama, I oh creator bless my mother. I love her with my whole heart, but I swear the way she coddles my big ass like man baby of a big brother. Like oh my goodness, I mean he handles his own and he's a good man and I love him to death too. But I swear, like, uh, what is it about native moms and their sons like whatever that is because I crack that as a joke now but I have seen it cause violence to be perpetuated in the home and that's something we have to undo like you made that baby he is this way you take accountability for it like Mm -hmm. and also hold him accountable for being violent I say him I know that this because I'm sure somebody's gonna listen and be like but what about men who are abused yes (laughs) yes nobody deserves violence nobody should endure that kind of pain in Indian country it is resoundingly men who are violent against women mm-hmm. resoundingly like I think the the numbers for everybody across the board are like you know three and five women but in Indian country it's lit- it's like 70 80 percent women wow. who are enduring violence like it's it's bananas so the relationships of like coddling in Indian country I'd really love to interrupt that like we have to snitch like we have to because mm-hmm. it's not just about a, a romantic and intimate partner violence now it's also about children that get involved in this like we are we are trying to interrupt cycles of trauma which means we have to stop keeping it a secret we have to stop hiding from accountability and transparency and those are those are the biggest things and um we can't keep protecting our brothers i don't care that he's a cop or on council we can't keep protecting our sons just because you know you're living in his Mm -hmm. house that doesn't justify violent behavior against women and children like violence against one of us is violence against all of us and i will again i will flip this table over that's that's the big thing that's the big thing what about you christina what's coming up i was just thinking about um i heard recently from i don't i really don't know from where but they talked about that that moms like loving like well i think they said like mexican moms are the biggest um like protectors of patriarchy because coddling like sons like you know that example of like at home like as if like if i i do have a brother but like you know like as a sister like you serve your brother 
father just like you would serve your dad type, oh. of, type of like mentality like and so like these boys who then grow up to be men like they grow up with this and like it's perpetuated like through like your mom first and then it like the cycle just like continues and continues and so yeah I also definitely try to interrupt that in every way possible that mm -hmm. I can um and so it's it is difficult and it's, it's just sometimes like emotionally like exhausting to always be saying something but it's also so necessary and to speak about you know like sometimes when there's like family members that have been abusers and you pretend that it didn't happen or like we never talk about that subject yeah. um, and even like growing up depending on like who was coming over to your house or like if we were going to a certain house you know like as little girls like we were told like oh like you know like sit by like sit by your parents and like don't move from here because you never know and i'm like you never know what like now that i'm older i'm like what is that why like, did we go over there yeah. yeah like how is that okay but you just you just don't want to talk about it you don't want to make somebody like uncomfortable or lose that potential relationship mm -hmm. um but now like why would you even want to have that relationship like no like we just need to like speak about it mm -hmm. um and so those are those are just some pieces that I, that come to mind right away yo my brother's fitting to starve if he was expecting me to get him to play like, <laughs> i'm like you know i'm like, mean, like none of my sisters serve me <laughs> betsy, <laughs> betsy would be like think again y'all y'all are really making me think about uh about those kind of things daniel and i were talking about like gender expectations oh, yeah. um like you know especially like i i can speak from a um, like a men's per perspective about growing up i i think for us we were required to do like the manual labor stuff like am i good at it no definitely not <laughs> but but like as i'm thinking about my sister i think and my cousins the expectation was they stayed in and like cleaned the house cooked the food right so we're like perpetuating these like gender um you know these gender stereotypes about like what it is that we need to be doing um i'm, I'm gonna tell a little on i hope my cousin's not listening but um if he is <laughs> no he is so I'm, I'm gonna tell but we had a we had a conversation one time at his house and he invited some of his friends so not my friends those are his friends right and we had this conversation. Oh, Daniel, I think oh, maybe you were there. Like, oh, yeah, I remember. We were we so, grilled that guy. <laughs> oh, I, I was livid. But we were talking about um, activities that, you know, they were generalizing about like who's better at what and so this guy and i don't even remember his name um but he was saying uh you know women are just better cooks and they're the ones that need to be in the kitchen cooking and yes i swear that i yeah. when this guy was talking i was like are you are you kidding me right now yeah and, you know what's funny and about that like I don't cook. Like, the only thing I make are reservations, y'all. Like, <laughs> am I the outlier? <laughs> like, bro, and, I, could, I got you some ramen. Like, I don't and, know. <laughs> well, and I'm thinking about, like, even me or, like, Daniel's a good cook. I I'm feel like, like, I'm, I'm a better cook. I cook way better than my sisters. Like, I know that. I, I think I even cook better than my mom sometimes. Yeah, my brother cooks yeah. better than all of us. Cooks better than all of but, us. <laughs> but this yeah. guy was really feeding into this idea that men are better, predisposed to be better at this. Women are better at this. They need to be wives. They need to have 
kids. And um, I granted, I think for this particular person, religion had a, you know, defining factor in why he believes the way that he he does. Mm-hmm. But I, I remember thinking, well, first of all, being angry. And second, thinking about what is going to be something that I could say to him that would help him open up to thinking differently. Because for me, it was very evident that his, his thinking is very firm and it's very settled and it's very, that's part of his identity. This is what he honestly thinks about mm-hmm. women and men. And so the questions I was asking was... Um, why do you feel like, according to your view, women are better cooks? And he's like, well, because they're in the kitchen more. And the questions were like, well, why are in the ki- why are they in the kitchen more, according to your views? And he said, because you know. And it was like, well, women are supposed to be there. My mom made my sister this, you know. And um, I, I even though we were, I was kind of like helping lead the conversation to a piece of realization where you're thinking what you're thinking because it's your religion, and also because those are stereotypes or like those are gender expectations that our families put on the genders, right? Of If someone is continually practicing to cook, of course they're going to get better because they're always practicing to do that, but some people aren't practicing. That's the expectation that is put on them. They have to go and do that. So if, if a male is not actively cooking every day, of course he's not going to be a good cook because he's not doing participating in that he's not developing those skills the other piece is i was really trying to just say is is this how you would want someone to think about your mom is this how you would want someone to think about your sister is this how you would think uh if you would want someone to think about your daughter and um i i don't think this guy was getting it there there was really no point in continuing the conversation because it was and sometimes you got to take your l's on people um i just knew it wasn't worth our time at that point um investing the energy into that conversation yeah, it was it was tough though. I gotta say, it was real tough. And you're not even talking about domestic violence now. You're talking about no. whole ass patriarchy, right? Like, yep. because it shouldn't take a man to humanize women because he's a son, because as a mother, because of his daughter. Right. And I actually called my own big brother out on this. Like, just because you have daughters doesn't mean you're all of a sudden like woke, bro. You have a lot right. of patriarchy to unpack. And like yes. my brother's bros, like some of them are a hot mess around. Like, you know, you better watch your daughters around my sons type thing. I'm like, she's six. Did you just sexualize a six-year-old? Like, and then then they want to walk it back and be like, oh, yeah. like locker room talk. Like, no, bro. Like, you just sexualized a six-year-old because you're conditioned to believe that men are entitled to consume women. Oh, now you're gonna get me on patriarchy, bro. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. And, <laughs> and I did, I did want to say with that guy. I remember we were like roasting him up, but I remember we even asked. I think like, well, are you even married or have a girlfriend? And he didn't. And we're like, oh, okay. Uh, that's <laughs> I remember we're like, okay, makes sense, you know. Yeah, but I, I, there's these components though, like patriarchy, for example, that have a play into why um, domestic violence is prevalent and for why we avoid the conversations. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it's a lot of extra work that we need to that we need to focus on. I, I know personally for me, it's it has been a journey of self reflection, and anytime I can take information and listen to people and use that to help me grow and better understand what I can do to be changing to support. Mm-hmm. I, I try. Will we step into it sometimes? Yes. Will we make mistakes? Yes. But that's part of the journey. Um, I recently had a conversation with a really close friend, not about this, but about something else and how there's this concern about 
you know, offending somebody or unintentionally causing harm or pain. And um, this this uh, conversation was, I'm just so scared that someone's going to like lash out at me for it if I step into it unintentionally, because um, it's never my intention to make someone feel less than or hurt or, you know, whatever the, the issue is. Um, and what I was trying to share was, you know, if you're trying to be an ally to my community, that was a conversation, um, I, we need to give people the space to learn. And we need to be able to also take the feedback, though, when we're given it um, about you know, how, how that affects me or not. And so it's, it's kind of been an interesting, it's been an interesting conversation, but I, I love that my, especially with some of my friends that were like open to being vulnerable, but also like taking the feedback. And I, I think that's making us closer as friends and trying to be better people. You're speaking to something that's really powerful that I don't think Christina nor I touched on in the beginning. Gender-based violence exists at the intersections of systemic oppression, right? So it's not just violence by itself, it's violence and religion, violence violence and class, violence and politics, violence and racism, homophobia, transphobia, like access, mental health care, well, like all of those things, ableism, ageism, all of those things, systemic oppression and gender violence are all intersected together, which is why our approach at the Idaho Coalition is to talk about race and social equity and justice and all of these pieces to focus on the fact that it is indigenous, two-spirit folks who are deeply impacted, Black, trans women, women, Latinx folks, uh, usually undocumented women who are most impacted by domestic violence, we have to really address who is in the margins of the margins, right? And how did they get there? And how do we bring them back? And there's another piece too to what you're saying, Javi, that's really important. For us to show up for folks who are not part of our community, they have to show up. We have to show up for each other. Like how do we, you you are deeply in relationship with your homies to have these conversations. You're invested in each other, your friends, you have shared memories and laughter and joy. I don't want some random Karen in my email every day asking about how she can do that. Like there's books she can Google. Like, but when mm-hmm. I, there is a point at which, yes, they have to have space to learn, but it can't come at my expense when I already holding and carrying so much, right? So if there are non-native listeners, non, like if you are a white person on this call, like on this podcast, mm-hmm. listening in, do your own work, collect your own people. And then mm-hmm. once you get to a point of like, like practicing allyship, then maybe consider digging a little bit deeper, then consider what anti-racism and anti-oppression look like. Because um, conversations about dismantling violence at these intersections, it can't be I can't do it for all white folks, right? Like, it's just, this is a product of white supremacy and white supremacy is a white people problem. So let's go ahead and I'll just say that. (laughs) I will die on that hill also. (laughs) (laughs) So in wrapping up this segment, we did have a last question for y'all. And so the question is, if you had to tell your younger self one thing about advocacy or showing up for survivors, what would you say? Oh, goodness. My younger self. Uh, I struggle with this a lot, actually. So I'm going to dive a little bit deeper than I would expect to do a go. Um, I struggle with mental health issues. I recently had a pretty serious mental health crisis about seven weeks ago. And um, a lot of it came from my first sexual assault when I was 14 years old as a child, the way my parents responded, the way my community responded, because uh, it happened on the res with somebody in the tribe. Like, and, and But then fast forward to now, all of that's just compounded over the last like 20 some years at this point. Um, so every time I journal, I actually write a message to my 14 year old self right because that's where a lot of my deep trauma started um and the thing that I usually say is you know one you'll survive this like just a reminder that I'll survive 
And then the second piece, and I know this isn't directly related to advocacy or showing up for survivors, but we have to like really care for ourselves before we can care for others. And I think that that message would be love yourself the way you want others to love you. And then everything else yes. falls into place. And that, um, God, I almost might start crying thinking about that. But this is a message, like the message I write to 14-year-old Ty every time I journal, like learn, I get to, I deserve to experience the best version of myself. And that means mm-hmm. loving myself the way I want others to love me. And I swear, it seems so simple but it's that is the hardest work of my life right Mm -hmm. so that's what I would tell my young self thank you for sharing Ty Um, I I think what I would tell younger me is trust your gut Um, I've had a lot of very close people to me that have had have been in relationship with like teen dating violence relationship domestic violence and witnessing that as a teenager and knowing that it was wrong but not knowing how to say anything or like that feeling like I knew something was wrong but I was like too scared to say anything or I didn't know that I could because we don't again like we've never talked about it at home or yeah like with family members or with friends and so when it got to a point that someone very close to me was like I could see the bruises I just you know I said okay like I have to say something now Um, and it took a long time and 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 I think I was really hard on myself for a long time saying like you knew since before like you really did but you just didn't say anything but also like I have to give myself that self-compassion that I mean I was I was like 13 or 14 I was it was hard to to talk about it and so Mm -hmm. so I think that's what I would say like one like trust your gut like you you do know you continue to know and then two like know like you can be there for a friend like you were there um and and like you have that like you have that in you and I think that's that's really difficult um and so just thinking about that process is it's a whole process of course and so so it's just like a big piece of of the work that we do like I always think about like you know we always new we always do know but we've been we've been told not to trust our gut or we've been told not to listen to like to our heart and so um we try to tune it out but at the but at the end of the day like that's what's most true is like really what's inside absolutely i hear that yeah yeah definitely um just want to say to both of you you know thanks for you know sharing your story and just opening up and being vulnerable uh that's one thing that javi's been trying to make me do on this podcast is cry (laughs) (laughs) and uh it it probably will once we get we you know we've been having some fun conversations and stuff but i know we definitely gonna try to be more vulnerable and things like that so i appreciate for you know both of you for opening up and just you know being comfortable with even sharing that on, on on the brown sound um i guess to just you know kind of wrap things up moving forward in our uh kind of the end end zone of our podcast uh the language lesson the brown sound language lesson that we like to share to our listeners i know ty you already know how to say this but the word that we're gonna teach our listeners to say today is i love you so in nimi putimt we say Ahatwasa. and uh during this portion we all We'll try. Do <laughs> <laughs> so you just want me to like repeat it back? Because I mean, it's my. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do I want to hear it, Javi? Let's go. <laughs> All right. So, can you repeat it one more time for Christina? Ah, hatuasa. Ah, hatuasa. Ah, hat. 
Twister. I have Twister. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Y'all got it. Okay. Yep. Thank you for sharing that. Um, in Espanol, uh, to say I love you, we would say te quiero or te amo. Th- those are both appropriate. So te quiero o te amo. Te amo. Te amo, te te quiero. Quiero. I'm like, I've used those. Yeah, both I know. Maybe I listen to too much Bad Bunny, but like, yo, yeah, I'm like, Daniel was saying that to my cousin the other weekend. No. <laughs> 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 I was like, <laughs> like, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Christina, did you get a chance to say it? Me? Yeah. Did we get? Oh, I, no, I, I don't mean no. to skip you. Did you get a chance to say it? <laughs> no, but I can't. <laughs> awesome. All right, y'all. So we're going to transition to our. Well, actually, every listener uh, from Brown Sound's favorite part of our segment, which is our Shades of Brown Shady question segment. So we are very excited to have you both join us. And this is how that uh, segment um, goes. So I will ask three questions. All of us will have a chance at answering those questions. Um, And the thing about the Shady question round is it's all fun. Um, It's a way to wrap up some of our heavy topics with just a fun, light way, right, to kind of just laugh before we end episode so we'll ask three questions you can skip one if you would like but the the goal is to absolutely answer two okay so the (laughs) questions are that all and who actually before i ask uh who is gonna go first let's establish the order (laughs) christina first first? okay christina first (laughs) and we always say guest first so i guess ty would go next and then we'll do daniel and I, i can wrap it up so first question is which parent gives the best birthday present to who is your favorite coworker? And three, <laughs> what's the biggest thing you've ever been in trouble for? So, Christina, you're first. Which parent gives the best birthday present? present. Oh, birthday present. Um, I'm like, I would say my mom because I think she is the only one that normally gets us anything, and I think my dad is. <laughs> <Yeah>. I, <don't laughs> I don't know how that works. Um, and, and then. Who's your favorite coworker, or what is? Uh, and what is the biggest thing you've ever been in trouble for? My favorite coworker. <laughs> this is <hard>. uh, <laughs> I'm telling everybody. <laughs> um, let's see. Well, I I I normally work alone. <laughs> I don't know she's deflecting (laughs) Christina land the plane land the plane plane, (laughs) I'm gonna go with Kaylee. Okay. Is Kaylee a real person? We just need a. She is. She's Sometimes I've asked these questions to Daniel, or my friend Junior came on one time and he was like, Erin. And we're like, Who's Erin? Never heard of Erin. You're lying. And then the last question is What is the biggest thing you've ever been in trouble for, Christina? We're all, hmm. Well, you didn't say, like, in what? Like, who got me in trouble? 
So it's totally up to you to decide. Um, I would say my two-year-old got me in trouble because I forgot his favorite stuffed cow at my mom's house when I picked him up, and so then he was really upset because he didn't have his cow to sleep with, and so. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> yeah, we we can't be out here destroying babies' dreams. So no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let me see. Yeah, my mom definitely gets the better birthday presents. Um, because my dad knows fast. No, yeah. <laughs> I will first of all, I will throw shade on everybody. Again, table <laughs> table. Um, yeah, my mom definitely. Uh my, uh my favorite coworker has to be D. Um, they are uh queer trans Filipina uh from our on our job. But we just co-worked the whole time through um the pandemic. Like we were our own little like pod of people and tested and we traveled a lot together and um, I think it's just because we can move in like symphony together like with that like the silences yeah. the like you don't it's like friendship I don't have to try hard in which is what I really mm. appreciate yes. and because that friendship also blends into work there's a way that we um, can hold each other up it, it has shifted a bit when I moved into a different position but um, we're still trying to to navigate that but I would say that's my favorite co-worker um, and let's see <laughs> so like is this rated PG-13 like you talk about going to jail uh, you can, or you can say whatever yeah <laughs> this we is are, yeah. We oh. are an explicit on apple podcast yeah. <laughs> yo no it's not even that bad like i'm just i just rowdy like when i was younger i was treacherous i love to party i love to be the center of attention and it's not the worst thing i've been in trouble for but it's the worst thing i'll share out loud um <laughs> i i got a disturbing the peace ticket um because my cousins oh. were fighting outside of a bar in Moscow. Weird freaking vandals just out here partying all the time. Um, <laughs> and um, she was actually the one fighting. I was trying to get her out of the fight and then I caught the case over it and it was, it was and I was still young. I was only like 19 at the time so it was really jarring for me and I'm like what is happening? Oh my gosh. I'm going to jail. Yeah. Um, I've done worse things and didn't get caught. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for me who gets the who gives the best birthday gifts would probably I would say my mom I feel like my mom when it comes to like we said you know native moms coddle mm. the son and I'm the only son so my mom I feel like my mom's um wallet when it comes to me is very deep <laughs> you know I feel like she has no oh I feel like she has no like oh I'll get it for you you know so I, I'd say my mom Dang, um, Alice adopt me <laughs> <laughs> um and for my favorite co-worker well, Tom would be my, I've known him the longest. We just have a new supervisor and uh, I'm still getting to know him. And so Tom definitely is my favorite coworker. Um, and I'm like, eh, moving forward. No, <laughs> Never been in trouble. Uh, yeah. And the, the, the craziest thing that I've been in trouble, I, I actually was arrested in 2017, I think it was, or 2016. I got into a little trouble with the law when I was wild and young. Um, thankfully, I lawyered up and beat the case. So that's all I'll say. Is, I love how you say uh, young. Like if 2017 was less than four, four years ago. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was, that was my very wild. 
era now. You know, I'm on the other end of my 20s, so I'm very much more calm. But anyways. No, yeah. that's good. Right? We all grow. We all grow. And we, yeah. we use our experiences to, to mm-hmm. move on to get better. So uh, which parent gives the be- uh, best birthday present? So, y'all, I would default to my mom, but she doesn't celebrate birthdays. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I guess my dad, by default, but he's not even that good of a gift giver either. So there's there's that. Uh, who's your favorite co-worker uh, now? I guess my favorite, my work bestie would be Christy Creamer. I gave her a shout out in one of our past episodes, uh, past episodes, but Christy is, I think she just turned 64 um, and we just joined this team around the same time and y'all, she came to my birthday. She oh, tells she me, <laughs> she she helps me out every day, tells me how great I am. I, I say the same back to her. I mutually like respect and like just think the world of her and she is my work bestie. So we, we out here doing the thing at work. Um, and then what is the biggest, okay, y'all, I'm gonna tell myself a little bit. I, I usually don't get in trouble. I was one of those kids that just, I, you know, did, I followed the rules. I, you know, was, I, I didn't drink till I was in college, y'all. Like I was just, you know, I was, I was a good kid. I would stay up playing late with my nerdy high school friends, uh, playing Monopoly, uh, like that, like that was, <laughs> That was me, and I'm going to own it. So I, I really didn't get in trouble. But there was this one time in elementary school where – do you all remember D.A.R.E.? Uh, oh, that's yeah. That- what what uh, is that? What does it stand drugs for? Drugs are really ugly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I remember. I just remember. <laughs> I'm like, drugs are really <laughs> bad. Uh, no, one of us has to get better. That's their. What is their? Drugs are really bad. No, I was going to share. We, we That was like fifth grade or sixth grade, right? Y'all remember that? Like you, when you mm. did that? Drug abuse well, we had, education. There it is. Oh, there did, you you, did you Google it? Or did I you... had to Google it because I was going to drive me crazy. <laughs> I'm it's like, not there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so <laughs> we. We uh we had just I think like completed the little test to pass that or something and there's this one kid who just like didn't pass it or something so the principal had to come because we were all getting like a pizza party for it or something <laughs> and so anyways uh this kid didn't pass it and for whatever reason this kid like just annoyed me and um he he was being told he didn't get to be part of the pizza party and I think he was crying and y'all I don't know why I thought and I think maybe he bullied me so I don't know or maybe. Maybe I was just a bad person, but um, when he was getting told he couldn't be part of the pizza party and when he started to cry, I busted out laughing in front of the whole class <laughs> and then it turned into <laughs> it turned into one of those like, <laughs> like I was dying coughing or something. I pivoted to a cough to try to like, but I could not stop laughing and I had to go sit out in the hall and apologize to the kid. But um, I mean, that you know, that's just the, yeah. that was just like a, that wasn't really bad. That was just yeah. me. I'm a horrible yeah. person. I'm like, like yeah, I'll, I won't. I won't share that you you know stole that one um, street sign from downtown Boise. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, just like, no, I'm like, what? I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, just like what? That's that is not true. <laughs> I won't. I, I won't share. I won't. I won't. I won't share the time you stole. You know that hot dog cart from that old old elderly. <laughs> just kidding. Just, 
it's good. Of all, it's it was good. a paleta <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> No, um, thank you all for uh, indulging us in that. I, you know, that was fun. That was yes, fun. I got fun. to learn a little bit more about y'all. Um, in wrapping up the episode, I want to ask you all, uh, what was a thorn in a rose for you um, while we reminisce about the episode? Anything that stuck out? Thorn in a rose. Um, I just love that um, men from BIPOC communities are hosting this conversation about domestic violence. I think that's important. So that's my rose. Um, my thorn. Uh, I don't I think there was necessarily a thorn. Um, no, there are no thorns. Just roses. <laughs> roses. Cheekings, roses. <laughs> I would I would say that my rose was I really enjoy listening to Ty and so any opportunity that I get to learn from from her is an amazing opportunity so I really am thankful for that opportunity Um, and I don't I would say I don't have a thorn either okay wow Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No um, I'm like, wow. No, I, I wouldn't think I had a thorn either. Or maybe my thorn would be my light not working. So I have like two cell phone flashlights facing on me. That'd be my thorn. The technical difficulties here for me. But um, my rose would just be having you both on here and sharing your story. You know, it's it's always cool to uh, meet new people and then definitely hearing Ty, like you said, you know, just anytime you get to listen to Ty speak, it's just, you know, mic drop. Uh, hello hey. applause everything bunch hey. of war hoops so um, <laughs> definitely yeah definitely that that's my rose is just having you both on the show and just being able to you know get to know you and and um learn more about you know your your story mm. yep um rose for me would be learning more about the work that y'all are doing, um, especially because um, I feel like there's a lot of resources out in the community, but we not everybody gets to hear about it just because it's hard. It's hard to take in and soak in all the work that everybody's doing. But I just want to say I'm very grateful to get to learn more about the Idaho Coalition Against Sexual and Domestic Violence. Um, to have to have you both come in and be in community, that was a rose. Um, and my thorn would be that the episode is ending and that, uh, you know, we won't <laughs> See you again for a while, but you're always welcome to come back. Yeah, definitely. Um, for any reason, just please hit us up. And then, um, last question or last uh, last thoughts is: if folks wanted to get in contact or connect with y'all to learn more about the work that you're doing, um, either about the coalition or yourselves personally, um, how can people reach out and engage? So, I think social media is always a great place to find us. Um, so, our um, Instagram is engaged. Voices. Also, our um, our website, engagingvoices.org. Um, we're on Twitter, on Facebook as well, and we have an amazing communications director. They're brilliant, and so anything that you'll find that we have, um, I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, and so that's where you can find the coalition. Um, anything else to yeah. add, Ty? Yeah. No. I um, thank you for that. I always plug my TED Talk. I have one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm at tysimpson.com. My TED Talk is attached to it. And then there's links to the work, the community organizing work I do with the Indigenous Idaho Alliance, as well as um, some of my like conferences that I've been recorded and other speeches and what have you. So um, that's where you can find the work that I'm doing when I'm not at work, right? It's ceaseless, endless, tireless work. But that's where you can find me. Great. Oh, uh, 
yeah, Daniel. Do you want to do like, the? I was like, all righty, cool. Um, I'm like, I'm just sitting in this dark room. It's so weird. It's kind of <laughs> creepy. I'm like, I might, I might have to hurry up and wrap this up because it's getting spooky here where I'm at. Just kidding. <laughs> it's you know. It's just it's always spooky on the res sometimes. <laughs> There's a lot of spirits that just wander around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, yeah, again, both thank you so much. Um, appreciate your time. Thanks for, you know, staying with us with the technical difficulties and all that good stuff. Um, you're definitely always welcome back on the Brown Sound. And yeah, any last words, Cheeky Leaks? <laughs> uh, last words and thoughts is if you haven't yet, make sure to follow the Brown Sound on Instagram. Instagram at Brown Sound Podcast. Uh, to listen to us, you could always tune into Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And as always, we will continue to do the good work and we will continue to have people like Ty and Christina um, on the Brown Sound to touch on ways to help and uplift our Indigenous, Latinx, and all communities. Mm-hmm. So thanks so much. We will see you next time. Adios. See you later. Katsuyayo for listening to the Brown Sound Podcast. We've had a blast with you all today. Make sure to tune in next time. To follow us more closely, you can check us out on Instagram at the Brown Sound Podcast. For partnership opportunities or if you just want to get a hold of us, make sure to email us at thebrownsoundpodcast208 at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at Brown Sound Podcast. Disclaimer, the thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and the host only. 